Hi, I'm Rail Bricker, and I'll be one of your hosts for the Business Excellence Podcast. Hi, and I'm Lindsay Adams. I'm the co-host. And together, we're going to be talking about what makes up business excellence. And we believe that you can never be perfect. All you can be is excellent. And in our businesses and in our lives, we want to achieve excellence. And that's why this is the Business Excellence Podcast. Welcome to today's edition of the Business Excellence Podcast. My name is Rail Bricker. In the last few episodes that I have recorded, I've been talking about the challenges of breaking out of lockdown. As the world emerges from a state of lockdown from the pandemic of 2020 and we move into 2021, many, many companies around the world will be challenged with what are the changes, what are the fundamental structural changes that they will have to put into place to ensure that they break out successfully and are actually thriving in the time after lockdown. In today's episode, I'm going to be looking at a few of the ideas around that. It's not a comprehensive list of every possible area where businesses can become more excellent and do things better. But it's just a few thoughts that emerge from the world around us. And in future episodes, we will be looking at more and more of these futurist trends of how businesses can make themselves more resilient and fundamentally more excellent emerging from lockdown and breaking out from lockdown. If we go back many years, the time clock with those punched cards that people pushed through the clock when they arrived, when they left, when they went out for a smoke break, all those things were the fundamental elements of business. How does that change? Well, there will always be people who have to be at their desk between certain hours of the day. For instance, if they're in a call center or a client-facing role, those people will have to be available during the hours that the company publishes that they will have staff members available. Well, there are a few fundamental problems associated with those types of environments, particularly as many, many companies have sent vast ranges of employees into the work-from-home environment. What they didn't understand, a number of these companies, was that often people working in the call center or customer service center environment are not the senior executives of the company. And by saying to them, go and work at home, they may not have a facility in their home environment where they can talk to customers without being interrupted by children, neighbors, dogs, um, any other noises. They may not have a home office environment where they can cloister themselves and have a business day of conversations. There was a company in the U.S. that I was talking to who had decided to send their entire call center staff to work from home, but at the same time, they told the staff that they needed to have sufficient internet access, so good internet access, in order to run voice over internet, in other words, fast phone conversations, and they would be manning the call center working from home. 
In talking to the head of HR for that company, she pointed out that one of the flaws in that theory was that they underestimated the fact that the majority of people in their call center environment came from a lesser socioeconomic environment and potentially didn't have the resources. Now, the company took the approach and said, well, it's the same as needing a car or needing bus money or train money to come to work. So therefore, you need to, you're not doing that. You're not traveling. So therefore, you need to spend, that is the employee, needs to spend the money on providing themselves decent internet access. Now, that could be a topic of a whole debate in and of itself. But it's just one of the issues surrounding the move to work from home. And there is no particular answer. In Western societies where um, technology is reasonably freely available, perhaps that will become the norm. In Australia, where many of the businesses operate with call centers in Southeast Asia and the Southeast Asian subcontinent, many of the people working in those call centers, although they are on the calls um, seemingly you know, well-spoken and erudite, they come from from really uh, lower socioeconomic backgrounds and the whole countries in, in places are, uh, you know, economically challenged. And so therefore they may not have access to that technology. But if we look at professional firms as a contrast to that, so I'm talking to some partners at professional firms who said, well, a lockdown happened, they sent their staff home, And they said, we don't care what you do, how you manage your time, but as long as you bill seven hours or seven and a half hours or six and a half hours, whatever was the number associated with that person, they didn't care as long as you did that billing. And so they, you know, some, they didn't mind if the staff woke up at three o'clock in the morning, did their work for six hours, billed the clients for six hours, and then spent the rest of the day with their family, you know, potentially homeschooling their children, and then, you know, at the end of the day, bill the other hour or two hours that they needed to bill for the day. Even that management methodology is somewhat flawed because in Europe today, and it's actually mentioned in another podcast with Niels Brabant, he spoke about the fact that in Europe at the moment, there are many lawsuits against large legal firms where companies started auditing their billing and actually discovered that there was massive amounts of overbilling because the law firms had put into place the management KPIs, the management key performance indices that actually said that the staff had to bill a certain number of hours a day. There was was no um, management in some of these firms of the fact that some months the, the lawyers... The the solicitors may only bill a certain number of hours, but in other months when they're really busy, they will obviously make that up. And so this created a culture at a number of these firms that are, are part of these lawsuits where they are being sued because the culture they created was one of bill at all costs. So how's it going to change? Well, I think there will need to be much more innovative approaches in the new world And the new world that I refer to is the post-COVID, the post-coronavirus world. Now, 
this may never be a true post-coronavirus world, given that in the middle of December 2020, a new strain of virus was found in London, and that effectively shut London down into a further state of lockdown. So, we're going to have to find a way of trusting, a way of not distrusting our staff. The average person doesn't really trust the team. They want them to clock in. They want them to build clients. And really that mindset is going to have to change. It's going to be have to be a more value mindset. What value are the people doing? How are they bringing value to the team and to their clients? Obviously, they have to be billing. Obviously, they have to be generating revenue. But the performance indices that are going to be applied are going to be much broader than just the number of hours that the people bill. So how is it going to work from home? I, I spoke in a previous podcast episode about one of the challenges is that people need to feel or at least be around warm bodies. People need to be in an environment where there are other people. And so there's actually going to be a series of hubs developing, in my futurist opinion, within four, five, ten kilometers of residential areas where hopefully, you know, you're saving money because you're not traveling 25, 30, 40 minutes an hour to a big corporate office building, but you're going to be in a, in a residential environment five, maybe ten minutes from your home, and there will be co-working hubs, co-working spaces where you can sort of still interact around the proverbial water cooler with all the social distancing measures in place. But there will be these places where you can go to make that separation, to separate out the decompression time between work and home. And in a previous podcast, I spoke about how important that is. I foresee that the development of these working from home hubs, where people aren't really working from home, they're actually working from a hub near their house two, three days a week, potentially in the corporate office one day a week, and maybe at home one day of the week. But that these hubs will allow people to escape the home environment, to get some quality work time done, but still be in an environment close to home, environmentally friendly, cycle to there as opposed to driving a car there, lowering carbon emissions. Who knows what the implications of these things are? But it is quite important in the development of the future of work because people working in these hubs will develop their own cultures and the future of work is very closely related to the future of culture. And so... Home offices traditionally are about a 10 or 9 square meter space within the home. Traditionally a study, as we'd call it, you know, for those who have the space or the money to build a house with a study, that's what they've done. Futurists are predicting that that will change. That instead of living, you know, 10 to 20 kilometers from the central business district, people may leave, live 50 kilometers away and therefore, you know, commute potentially on a train once a week into the corporate office and spend the other four days either at a, a home hub or a hub near their house or potentially at home. 
But what will happen is at 40 to 50 kilometers from the business district, your property prices are cheaper. Potentially, they are bigger properties. So instead of your you know, standard tiny little block in a city block, you may be getting a little bit of, of, of square meterage out there. And people will start building homes with not only the home theaters and all the creature comforts, but with 40 or 50 square meter home offices rather than the 10 or 9 square meter traditional home office. So what does that imply? It implies that home building styles will change. It implies that you know there will be different things required in building homes. You know, more windows because you don't really want a 40 or 50 square meter office with no windows. You want it to be light and bright and airy, potentially air conditioned for during the day use. So people will be building bigger homes um, with more offices, with more space, and they will actually become true home offices and not just um, home studies. And that will give you some idea of things that will change in the future of work and the future of culture. In the next episode, I'll be specifically exploring the future of culture and the future of work and how that is going to impact on organizations who are breaking out of lockdown. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Business Excellence Podcast. This is Rail Bricker signing off for this episode. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Business Excellence Podcast.